Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, several years ago, I was confronted with an interesting question, an interesting opportunity that actually stemmed from a cycling class. I found myself in a class one particular morning, and at the end of the class, the instructor, she got all of our attention, and she said, hey, at the end of the summer, my husband and I were going to be relocated to Texas. And so unfortunately, the gym, they're, they're not able to find an instructor to teach this class. And she said, so consequently, it's, it's going to be taken off the schedule. And then she pauses and says, unless. I don't know if you have a road bike or if you've taken a cycling class before, perhaps you have a Peloton. You probably can empathize and, 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 and understand the reaction we all had in that moment because it's one thing to take a cycling class and barely be able to breathe, let alone having to imagine teaching the class and talking and being motivated and being inspiring. And so consequently, she was left with a lot of blank stares and silence. And I leave that day not really thinking much of the conversation. And then fast forward a few weeks, I find myself in that same Friday morning class. And the instructor, she says at the very end, she goes, in case you haven't heard, I'm going to be moving to Texas. My my husband's going to be relocated out there in a military base. And so this class, this class is going to be taken off the schedule. The gym can't find an instructor unless someone steps up to become one. And this time, all of, uh, all of the us who had heard the announcement weeks prior were doing that thing where you avoid eye contact. We're like, oh my gosh. And you know, you do this as well in small group when someone's asking for a volunteer to pray. Teachers in the room, you see your students do this. Some of you, you remember doing this as a student when you didn't have the answer or you do this at work when, when you don't want your boss to call on you. And so we're all avoiding eye contact. And and a couple days later, I receive a Facebook message. The instructor, she reached out to me and she said, hey, Brooklyn, I I know you know by now, I'm gonna be moving at the end of the summer. And and the class that you seem to regularly enjoy, the one that you, you frequent is going to be unavailable. It's gonna be taken off the schedule. And this time she said, and I would love to invite you. I would love to invite you to an upcoming training. It's in Holly Springs, Georgia. And she sent me the information. She sent me the details. She sent me the link to register. And she just simply said, I'd love for you to to check it out. And all of a sudden, something that was never on my radar, something that I didn't even think I was capable of doing, it all shifted through a Facebook message. And so I signed up. And I went, I went to Holly Springs, Georgia, and I endured two days of just crazy, insane training. And I can remember feeling inadequate. I can remember feeling insecure because our instructor was from New Zealand and her accent alone was incredible. And and so I, I pushed through and that was four years ago. 
That was four years ago. I've been able to teach that same Friday morning class and have had incredible friendships formed as a result. We know that an invitation can be impactful. And we live in a world where we're constantly being invited to things. You're being invited to try new TV shows. You're being invited to try new restaurants, new recipes on on social media. Maybe you're being invited to get on the Threads bandwagon. Maybe you have a coworker who they won't stop talking about this one particular restaurant. They keep talking about it and they keep talking about it. They go on their lunch break and you never thought you would be someone who would enjoy gas station tacos, but they invited you and you went. And now you are practically evangelizing about these tacos. You love them. Maybe for you, you had a neighbor who wouldn't stop talking about pickleball and they invited you to play. And now you are loving it. And that's what you do. Pickleball is your thing. Maybe for you, you're one of those, those crazy people who on Saturday mornings, you wake up early and you go on a long run and you have like the shoes and the neon and the belt and the gels. And that's your thing because years ago, someone invited you to a 5k and now you have become, and you've shifted into a full on runner. Maybe for you, you were, you're thinking about the teams that you like. That it was actually a result of an invitation. I was thinking about for my husband and I, when I met him, I knew he was a Georgia Bulldog fan. But then years into our marriage, he got invited into a, to, to a soccer match. And now like a whole new world has opened up. And, and he's a volunteer here. And I will see him on Sunday mornings and his phone is like discreetly tucked away. I'm like, what you doing? And he's like, well, I'm watching the Premier League over in Europe and he's committed and he has the jerseys all because of an invitation. Invitations are impactful. Maybe you were invited to a networking event and, and you went and, and all of a sudden, the degree that you had, it wasn't, it wasn't working out for you. And so you went to this networking event and now you have a new career and it opened up a new door for you. Perhaps you're here today and you're wearing a volunteer t-shirt and you had heard us get up here and tell you we have a lot of volunteer opportunities for you. And you also avoided eye contact and you deleted the church-wide emails. And then a friend or, or someone in your small group, they told you, how much of a difference serving in Upstreet has made in their life and in their faith. And they practically signed you up for an orientation. But, but now, years later, you can't imagine a Sunday without hanging out with your Upstreet kiddos. Invitations are impactful. You might be here today as a result of an invitation. We're in a series right now called For God So Loved Gwinnett. And what we're doing in this series is we're talking about how to share the gospel, how to share our faith in our communities. And if you weren't here last week, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you just to go back and watch it because last week what we did is we really unpacked the heart behind this series. The, the why, why this matters, why we, do, we would devote several weeks to talking about this. But real briefly, I'll recap what we talked about last week with Reed. We, we looked at a familiar passage, one that you've probably heard before, no matter if you have grown up in the church or if you are brand new and you're checking things out. We looked at John three sixteen, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We talked about the fact that that God is a ascending God. We said it this way. We said, for God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. Out of a place of love, God sent his son. He sent us Jesus. But we didn't stop there. We said, for God so loved our community, Jesus sent us. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus so that we could have relationship with him. And in the same way, out of a place of love, we have the opportunity into our neighborhoods, 
in our, in our social circles, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our spheres of influence to help others connect with him. We have been sent. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. And for God so loved our community, Jesus sent us. And so we looked at the heart. We looked at why this matters. And for the next two weeks, we're gonna get really practical. We're gonna look at how we go about sharing our faith. How do we share the gospel in our community? And to do that, we're going to look at the the master inviter. We're going to look at Jesus himself. One of my favorite things about Jesus, as you read through the gospels and as you study how he interacted with people, you see that, that people were always on Jesus's radar. People were always on his radar. Jesus was rarely rushed or hurried. Jesus always saw the individual in the midst of the crowds. And so today we're gonna look at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, the beginning of his ministry, how he invited people to participate with him. And to do that, we're going to continue in the gospel account of John. Last week, if you were with us, we we looked at John chapter 20 and John chapter three. Today, we're gonna look right in the beginning in John chapter one. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. If not, I have you covered. We're gonna read this in here. And just to kind of set the scene of what's happening, we have a character named John the Baptist. So we have John the Baptist on the scene and John is this humble, kind of eclectic, passionate dude who he's essentially preparing the way for the coming Messiah. And John is traveling around and he's teaching and he's baptizing people, which is where we get his name. And he's gaining some some attention, some followers. And then John encounters Jesus and he sees Jesus passing by. And this is where our story begins. It says, John chapter one, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the lamb of God. I imagine John is pointing him out and said, hey, here he is. Here's the guy I've been telling you about. Here, here's the one that I, I told you, I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of his feet. Here he is, the lamb of God. This text continues and it says, when the two disciples heard John say this, they followed Jesus. They, they, they went and they followed him. They're like, okay, John, it's been great knowing you. It's been great following you, but we're gonna go follow this guy. And so they follow Jesus. I love how Jesus responds. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? Jesus says, what do you want? It's an interesting question. I think that's an interesting question for us to maybe to to ponder and to consider. When it comes to, to your faith, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, what do you want? So Jesus looks at these guys and he asks them, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which, which means teacher, a sign of, of respect here. Where are you staying? They're, they're curious. Hey, where are you headed? Where are you going? And Jesus does something really profound here. Jesus, next verse says, come and you will see. As the reader, I think it's interesting. We don't see that Jesus answered the question directly. We, we don't see that Jesus told the guys where he was headed or where he was going, but instead Jesus extends an invitation. Jesus says, hey, come and you will see. Come and see for yourself. Come and see where I'm headed. Sometimes following Jesus, it will require us to leave the known and go into the unknown. I know know for myself, I'm I'm so guilty of just wanting Jesus to come where I'm at and to come into into my world. But instead we see that when we follow Jesus, those are some of the best moments. And so Jesus extends an invitation. He says, hey, come and see. And I love that what the text says, John says, and so they went. So the guys went. I think when, when we think about inviting people to come to church or when we think about this idea of, of sharing the gospel, 
for many of us, we, we get uncomfortable and we think, well, they're gonna say no. And there's the concern of rejection. But I love that, that this is included in here, that Jesus extends an invitation. Hey, come and see. They don't, they don't know where he's going. They don't know necessarily what's in store. And yet it says, and so they went. So these guys went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. I love all the details included. I don't know if you work a traditional eight to five or nine to five job, but I know for myself, 3.45, four o'clock comes, I'm winding down. I don't wanna send another email. I definitely don't wanna get on another Zoom call or a Slack notification or a phone call. Like, especially in the summer, you start winding down. And I imagine in the same way for these guys, they probably had families to get back to, homes to attend to, and yet they spent the entire day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. The story continues. And it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said when he pointed him out and and he had followed Jesus. Next text says, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. So you got Andrew who had been traveling with John and then John says, hey, here he is, the lamb of God. And so he goes and he follows Jesus. And I love what John points out. He says, the first thing Andrew did, the first thing Andrew did was to go and tell. The, the first thing Andrew did was to go and, and find his brother. He was compelled. His reaction and his response was, oh my gosh, I just encountered Jesus. I just encountered the, the Messiah. I gotta go tell someone. I gotta go tell my brother I think it's a good reminder for us as it relates to sharing our faith that that maybe, just maybe, it's closer to home. Maybe it could start in your home. Maybe the invitation to to follow Jesus could start in your inner circle. It may not be the barista at Starbucks, although some of you, you see the barista more than you see your own family members, but that's another sermon for another day. But maybe, maybe, maybe you can do what Andrew did, which he went first to his brother. He, he went and said, oh my gosh, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. Verse 42 tells us that he brought him, he brought his brother to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And so Jesus shifts his name in this moment, kind of giving him a new identity. And the text continues and it says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. I love that. Jesus just says, hey, follow me. Not really giving Philip a clear picture of of what that means or, or what's in store, but Philip responds and Philip chooses to go. And John tells us that Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. The text continues and it says that Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Philip had to go get one of his guys and had to go get his buddy Nathanael because he had an encounter with Jesus. Come on, we know that, that, that an encounter with Jesus, it does, it compels us to go and share that. And so in the same way, Philip's like, oh my gosh, I gotta go. I gotta go tell Nathaniel. And so he runs to Nathaniel. And I love that, that he, he says Moses, he drops the Moses card. If you're anything like me, as you're reading the scripture, sometimes the, the details and the significance, they, they get lost on us. But I have to imagine that, that Nathaniel is now really, really, really intrigued because he knows that Moses and the prophets, they talked about not just a king coming, but they talked about one who would be the savior of the world. 
that there would be forgiveness of sins, the long-awaited Messiah. And, And Philip is saying, hey, we have found that guy. We have found the guy that Moses and the prophets have talked about. And so I imagine in this moment, Nathaniel's intrigued and he's probably waiting to know who is he? Where is he from? What does he look like? And so Philip, to kind of contextualize this for Nathaniel, he starts to give a description. And in the same way you do this as you're meeting people and you're making connections. And so Philip starts to tell him who he is, his name, his father, where he's from. And so Philip says, it's Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Again, we, we read this and we think, Jesus, it's a big deal. But, but, but he, he's just explaining who he is, where he's from. It's the equivalent of saying, it's, it's Sam of Snellville. He's the son of David. He's just contextualizing it for him. And Nathaniel is really surprised by this. Nathaniel's thinking, you just talked about the one Moses and the prophets talked about. And he's intrigued. And then he hears, it's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And listen to how he responds. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Some translations say that he scoffs. Nazareth? Nazareth? Snellville? I don't know if I believe it. If you're from Snellville today, we're so glad you're here. Um, But he's like, I don't know if I believe it. I don't know. That's not the picture I had in mind. Like that's not where I thought that the one that Moses talked about would be from. That's not matching up to the image I had of this king of the Messiah. Nazareth didn't have a great reputation. Nazareth wasn't known for a good reputation. Not to mention that according to the prophets, Jesus or the, the king, the Messiah would be from Bethlehem. Well, we know Jesus was born there, but, but he was raised in Nazareth, he's from Nazareth. He, he had a different accent than, than, than what Nathaniel's expecting and imagining. And so now I, I picture Nathaniel thinking his friend Philip has kind of lost it. He's probably folding his arms, a little skeptical, unsure, unsure if the king could really be from there. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Perhaps you're here today and, and you feel you feel like, Nathaniel, because the, the image and the reputation of a church and Christianity, it, it's not been that positive for you. And I understand that. And so you're here today and, and very similar to Nathaniel, your arms are crossed. You're unsure. You're, you're skeptical. You're, you're questioning. Can God, can he really be that good? Jesus, can he really forgive sins? Jesus, can he really forgive my sins? So you're unsure and you're questioning. And I hope, I hope you know that if that's you today, the good news about following Jesus is having doubts does not count you out. Having doubts when it comes to following Jesus, it does not count you out. And so Nathaniel's surprised, he's confused. I don't know if anything good can come from there. And I love how Philip responds. Philip says, come and see, come and see. Philip isn't distracted by Nathaniel's skepticism. He, he does exactly what Jesus did a few verses earlier. Instead, he extends an invitation. He just says, hey, come and see for yourself. He's not bogged down by the question or the doubt. Christians in the room, we should take note of how Philip responds 
Because for many of us, when it comes to sharing our faith and we're met with some questioning and we're met with people folding their arms and crossing their arms and there's some uncertainty and there's doubt, you feel the need to argue. You feel the need to, to refute and to defend. And, and what if we did exactly what Philip does? What if we just extended an invitation? Hey, just come and see, just come to my church and just see for yourself, see if your experience maybe would alter and shift the reputation that you had or the experience that you had. Come and see, says Philip. A text and the story continues and it tells us that when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus calls out, Nathaniel a little bit, and he's like, hey, here's an honest man. Here's a straight shooter. Here's a guy that, as you could tell, uh, it, like, will say what he's thinking, Nazareth. And so he's like, hey, here's an honest, honest, like straight shooter type of guy. And Nathaniel is surprised that Jesus would say that. Nathaniel asked Jesus, how do you know me? He asked. Well, Jesus answered. He said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now I imagine Nathaniel is intrigued again because he, he feels kind of seen by Jesus in this moment. How did he know I'm a straight shooter? How did he know that I, I, I'm honest? And I don't know what happened under the fig tree. I don't know if, if Nathaniel was, was just confessing his sins, if he was on his knees, if he was praying to God, if he was at the end of his rope. But all I know is that something shifts in him. He, he went from just throwing shade on Nazareth to now being like, how do you know me? And he's intrigued because listen to what he says next. Then Nathaniel declared. He went from doubting to declaring. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathaniel was unsure if the Messiah could really be from Nazareth. He was thinking maybe his friend Philip had, had lost it a little bit. And then Jesus calls to who he is. He says, here's an honest guy. Here's a straightforward guy. And he says, I saw you under that fig tree. And Nathaniel shifts, shifts from doubting and questioning to declaring, oh my goodness, this really is the one that the prophets talked about. This really is the one that Moses talked about. I didn't imagine a king being from Nazareth. I didn't picture that a king would be a carpenter. I didn't imagine any of that, but you really are the rabbi. You really are the king of Israel. And so everything shifts for Nathaniel. And I love, oh my goodness, you guys, I love how Jesus responds next. I picture Jesus is smiling in this moment. The next verse tells us, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? Oh, Nathaniel, you, you think that's good. You think it's impressive that I can see that you're, you're standing out there and I can, I can point to you and I can, I can acknowledge that. You think that's good. Just wait until the water and wine moment. Just wait until I walk on the water. Nathaniel, Nathaniel, just wait until you help me feed thousands and thousands of people with a kid's lunchable. Nathaniel, we are just getting started. Jesus says, you will see greater things than that. Nathaniel, you will see greater things than that. Oh, my friend. You will see those who have been sick their entire lives receive healings. 
You will see those who have been blind be given their sight. You will see those who have been an outcast receive dignity and hope. You will see those who have been paralyzed and crippled their entire lives be able to walk. You will see the dead come to life. Nathaniel, you will see far greater things than that. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, he points for for what's in store and, and what's ahead for these guys, but it begins with a simple invitation, a simple invitation to come and see, an invitation where he says, hey, just follow me. As we look at the life of Jesus, I think we gain some insight in how we can be a group of people who share the gospel, how we share our faith with those in our community. We see that it's actually really simple. A simple way for us to share our faith is an invitation to come and see. A simple way for us to to share our faith is an invitation to come and see. This is what we see Jesus demonstrate and, and model for us. And what I love is as you continue to read, you see that as Jesus demonstrated this, others began to follow suit. Others began to do the same. Jesus invited Andrew and and those first two, and then Andrew's compelled to go get his brother. And then he gets Simon Peter and Jesus calls him Peter. and, and, And that shifts. And this is the apostle Peter that thousands of years later, we're still talking about. Jesus invites Philip, hey, follow me. And Philip's like, oh my gosh, I I will, but I gotta go get Nathaniel first. And despite Nathaniel's skepticism and his questioning and his doubts, Jesus still includes him through an invitation. These moments had profound implications for these guys. It shifted so much for them shifted their, their family, their future, their faith, and ultimately our faith. I really believe that a simple invitation can make a significant impact. A simple invitation can make a significant impact. It made an extraordinary impact for these guys. A simple invitation can make a significant impact. I think we know that. We, we all know what it feels like to, to be invited. We also know what it feels like to be uninvited and not included. And so we know that there's significance in an invitation. I know for me how thankful I am for the invitation to go to Holly Springs, Georgia four years ago where I was able to, to go through that training and I was able to get certified. And now four years later, incredible friendships have resulted as, uh, as a result of that invitation. You know how thankful you are for the coworker who wouldn't stop talking about those gas station tacos because now your family, you guys have a tradition called Taco Tuesday and you love it. You're so thankful for the neighbor who invited you to play pickleball. You were in a season of crippling loneliness and you were desperate for community and for a connection. You're so thankful for the person who invited you to that first 5K or 10K race. You had gotten some some information from your doctor and you needed to get your health in order and you know you needed accountability. And so through that invitation, you were able to to get your health in order and, and have some community as a result. You're so thankful for that invitation to that event where you met your spouse You're so thankful for the invitation to that networking event because you were working in a place that you know is toxic, unhealthy. You knew you needed to get out of there. You knew you needed to leave and that opened up the door for you. Now you're thriving in a new career. 
You're so thankful for the invitation from that friend who practically signed you up for an orientation. You cannot imagine a Sunday without hanging out with your upstreet small group. You can't imagine a Sunday without parking cars in guest services. You can't imagine a Sunday without holding babies and helping preschoolers know that God made them, that God loves them and Jesus wants to be their friend forever. A simple invitation can make a significant impact. And come on, for many of us, the reason we're here today is through an invitation. It may have felt really small on the surface, but you know the significance it has had in your life and in your faith. It could have been a stranger at the grocery store and they simply invited you to check out their church. And now years later, here you are. A simple invitation can make a significant impact. And when we hear this, it's like, Brooklyn, that's great. That's awesome. I fully believe that. I fully understand that. And I see that. I'm so thankful for the example of Jesus that we see that when it comes to sharing our faith, it's simple. It's a, it's a simple invitation to come and see, but, but I'm an introvert. Or it still feels awkward or it still feels uncomfortable. But I think we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Jesus shows us that it's actually rather simple. Simple invitation can have a, a significant impact. And so for our next few minutes together, I, I want to help answer any of the questions you have of, okay, how do I actually go about implementing this this week? In the coming days ahead, is there a formula? Is there an equation? How long do you have to know someone before you invite them to come to your church? And so we are gonna look at four different prompts, four different filters that you can adopt, that you can implement really, really practically. And when you bump up against it, it's an opportunity for you to have a come and see, come and sit with me conversation. Andy actually several years ago kind of came up with three and I am going to add an additional one, not because I wanna one up Andy Stanley, but because in my time working here for the last nine years, I have seen an additional one. And so we're calling these the four knots, the four knots. The first one, not going well. As you go to work, as you, as you go to the pool, as you go and you're interacting with people and you hear someone talk about things aren't going well at home. Things aren't going well with my kids. Things aren't going well in that relationship. It's an opportunity to, to come and see, come to my church when things aren't going well. My goodness, we have incredible resources and, 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 and uh, care opportunities for people. And so when things aren't going well, invite them, invite them to our church. The next one, not prepared for. As you're having a conversation and they talk about, they just got a new job and, and they're, they're transitioning and maybe it's their first job or maybe they stayed at home with kids and now they're entering in the, in the workforce again and you could invite them. We literally have events called Business Breakfast for marketplace leaders and so you can invite them. Hey, come and see, come and sit with me. When you, you hear someone and they just got engaged or they got remarried and they're certainly not prepared for two becoming one, invite them to our church. When someone has their first kid, oh my gosh, they're not prepared for parenting. Invite them to our church. They'll, they'll get to bring their kids to Wombaland and, and, and to Upstreet, some of the best children's environments where they'll get to know early on and have an anchor of faith for their children. If they're, if they're talking about the challenges of parenting middle school students, high school students, technology, I don't know how to do that. Invite them. We have so many different events and resources. And so when they're not prepared for this new phase of life, you can invite them to church. The next one is not in church. This one may feel obvious, but as you're talking with people and they're just simply not in church, 
or they're not back in church. Invite them. I love that Andy will say, come sit with me. You can give an invitation. Hey, I'll save you a seat. Come sit with me. Jesus just made it really, really simple. He said, hey, come and see. Come and see for yourself. And so when someone is not in church, you can just say, hey, come and see. And the last one is not from here. This is the one that, that I've discovered and I've added because in my time in guest services, it feels like more and more and more people are moving to the area and they're just not from here, but they're coming. They're being invited. California, most of you have moved here in the last couple of years and we're so glad you're so welcome here. And, and, and so people are moving to the area. That's an amazing, amazing opportunity to invite someone to church. I know for myself, when I moved across the country from Washington state to Georgia, you, you battle loneliness. And so you need an invitation. You need someone who sees that you don't know how to navigate Atlanta traffic. You need someone who, who's helping you understand why Peachtree Industrial Boulevard all of a sudden becomes McEver. Like you need someone who can help you. And, and when you have those conversations, when you're interacting with people, they're not from here. Their kids are about to go to a brand new school. All of that transition, amazing, amazing opportunity to say, hey, come sit with me, come to my church, come and see. When we look at the life of Jesus and we look at the beginning of his ministry, as he invited people to follow him, to participate, he made it extraordinarily simple. It's an invitation, an invitation to come and see. And so hopefully as you're interacting with people this week, as you go back into your neighborhoods, your workplaces, your social circles, and you, you bump up against anyone not going well, not prepared for, not in church or not from here, it's an opportunity to say, hey, come and see. And Gwinnett Church, let me, let me tell you why this matters. Why, if you were here last week, Reed and myself, why we get so passionate about this. There are people in our community, this community, there are people in your neighborhoods, there are people in your workplaces, there are people in your social circles and spheres of influences who desperately need to know the hope and the grace and the unconditional love and the freedom and the peace that is found in relationship with Jesus. There are people who need to know and so we've got to go. There are people who need to know, and so we've got to go. We've got to extend these invitations. We have no idea what hangs in the balance of an invitation. You have no idea what God could do through your willingness to be brave and courageous and extend an invitation to a neighbor or a friend or a coworker. A simple invitation can make a significant, significant impact. And today, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to hear from my friend, Mason. Uh, I'm Mason Singletary, and I'm an eighth grade transit leader. Uh, growing up, my family didn't go to church. Um, we believed we were just like a lot of families. We would go to church on Christmas or Easter. I didn't really know God on a different level until I got into high school and friends would invite me to their churches and I would go with them. So I truly didn't have a relationship with God or felt like I had a relationship with God until um, there was a church event um, my senior year that I went with some friends and they asked everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes and the room went dark and they said, if you want to accept Christ as your Lord and savior, repeat this prayer in your head. And I did. 
And from that moment forward, I felt closer to God. But for me, being a teenager, it was the genie God, right? I'd pray to pass this test or pray to perform well in a game, um, not actually knowing how to pray, just pray for the things that I wanted. I'm a former high school basketball coach. And at the time I was coaching in middle school and boys and girls team. And I had one particular player and she would invite me to church every week. Coach, can you come to church with me this Sunday? Coach, can you come to church? And I would always find an excuse not to go. And finally, it was Easter weekend. And she asked me, please come to my church. We have church at Gwinnett Arena. It's called Gwinnett Church. And I said, yes. And I went by myself. And I didn't know who to sit with. But the volunteers, they made me feel so welcome. Everyone, they held up the number one and said, get this guy in this seat over here. It's packed. It's Easter. And that's when I, I felt that this church is my home. And so for me, the most powerful part of all of that is being a transit leader. Um, the power of that invite from a middle school student is why I'm sitting here today. I've led an inside out. I've led an upstreet. And now I'm in eighth grade year of a transit leader, all because of a transit student never giving up on an adult and inviting me to her church. And here I am today. I'm Mason Singletary, and I'm forever free. Mason's story powerfully demonstrates that a simple invitation can make a significant impact. Mason actively started following Jesus because a middle school student invited her basketball coach. And I don't know if you caught on to it, but he said, she kept inviting, and she kept inviting. And all along, Lane was planting seeds until one day he decided to come. And so Gwinnett Church, I understand they may say no. I understand that, that when you extend an invitation, they may not come. Let's just keep doing it. Let, let's, let's listen to what Lane did. She kept inviting her coach until he came, and that shifted so much for Mason and his faith. The reason he's an active Jesus follower and a small group leader here is through that one invitation. Mason has impacted countless students' lives from upstreet to inside out to transit, as he talked about. What's amazing is that was just two months ago, a couple months ago, and Mason was baptized. And so he, he, went, he went public with his faith, with that decision he had made internally and expressed it outwardly. But what I love about Mason's story is right after that, right after him, saying he's forever free and, and, and getting baptized, he got to turn around and baptize one of his own eighth grade guys. And if that wasn't extraordinary enough, Mason has already, already decided to sign up and commit with a sixth grade group to walk with them for the next three years. I don't know if you remember middle school, I do the insecurities, the awkwardness, needing to have someone who is further along in life guide you, to hold you accountable, to encourage you, to pray for you. And so Mason is making a generational impact by investing in these young men. Some of you, you are thankful because you're the parent of a sixth grade student that Mason is leading. These young men are going to be spouses and fathers one day of their own. And what I love when you think about this is they, may, they will likely never meet Lane. 
but you could trace back their faith story, the way that they're leading their families all the way to Mason. And the reason Mason's here is because of Lane. And so we have no idea what hangs in the balance of an invitation. You have no idea what's at stake and what's in store. And Gwinnett Church, the reason, the reason that this message has just wrecked me in the best way is because, as we talked about, come on, we don't want full rooms. This is not about full rooms or having to build a bigger auditorium. I hope that's clear. This is about people having full lives. This is about people having full life, life that is found only in Jesus. So what's stopping us? What's stopping us from being a come and see type of people, a come and see type of church? I love that if you flip to John 10, you see some words from Jesus. Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and life to the full. We want people in our community to experience that life, life to the full. A simple invitation can make a significant impact. For God so loved the world, he sent us Jesus. And for God so loved our community, he sent you and he sent me. He has sent us into our workplaces, into our social circles, into our neighborhoods so that people can experience and encounter life to the full. Heavenly Father, we are so, so thankful that you gave your son, Jesus, that you sent us, Jesus, because you wanted us to be in relationship with you, that you gave your one and only son. We thank you for that. And Jesus, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for your example that when it comes to sharing our faith, a simple way is through an invitation, through an invitation to come and see. Father, I pray that as people were hearing this message and names were coming to mind, would you give them courage this week? As Reed talked about last week, it's not about people being projects. It's about people knowing you and knowing that there is hope and there's forgiveness of sins and there's grace and there is freedom and there is life found to the full in you. And so we want that for our community. And so would you help us? Would you give us courage? Would you give us wisdom? I pray that we would be a group of people who'd be willing to, to, to extend an invitation, an invitation to come and see. And I thank you, Father, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you write amazing stories with that. Not our job to, to impose Jesus onto people. It's our job to propose. And so I pray that we would be that type of church. Jesus, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for your amazing love and that in you, we have life and life to the full. And we pray all of this in your beautiful and powerful and amazing name. Amen. Well, Gannett Church, we want to continue to make this really practical for you this week. And so on your way out, our guest services team is gonna hand you a card. And the card is gonna link to a website that we are gonna constantly be updating with different events that we have happening in this next season. We, they're events for, for anyone, no matter their stage of life, their stage of faith. We have everything from a night of worship happening, a business breakfast, kid stuff for parents of elementary age kid, kiddos. We have an event called um, Parent Night, where 
we're, we're gonna have Andy and Sandra Stanley to, to help us unpack parenting. And so there is so much in store. And so we're gonna constantly be updating that page. And so I want you to take the card and I want you to commit to praying for the name that came to mind as I was talking. I want you to, to think through what is an event, what's an opportunity where I can invite someone to come and see you, to come sit with me. And next Sunday would be an amazing opportunity to do that as we wrap up this series with Read More for God So Loved Gwinnett. Thank you again for being here. We love you and we hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next week.